0: My name is Jenica hauser and i'm back with another interview on behalf of the crude life.com and today we get to talk with charlie riedel and he is the executive director for the center for liquefied natural gas am i correct charlie that's that's your actual job title yes
1: that's uh, that's correct
0: i know you do quite a lot would you be interested in telling everyone a little bit about yourself and and uh, what you do
1: Sure. Happy to. Uh, So the Center for LNG is a trade association that is uh, based in Washington, D.C. And uh, we represent companies that are involved in the export of liquefied natural gas, uh, which is really just natural gas cooled to minus 260 degrees uh, and loaded onto cargo vessels and transported around the world uh, to regions and countries and places where uh, natural gas demand is short uh i should say natural gas supply is short but demand is high and so uh, i've been at this for the last almost six years now uh, representing uh, 12 companies and uh, every one of the uh, current facilities that is currently exporting lng out of the united states so uh, busy job with with lots to do between uh, working on Capitol Hill and with uh, the administrations, uh, and also with uh, some of the, the the on the receiving end of where this LNG is being shipped to as well.
0: Nice. Well, I can't imagine that would be a terribly uh, easy job. I suppose, especially <laughs> over uh, a lot of the different things that have happened in the last year. What was it about ten, eleven months ago? Ten ten months ago is when the China trade agreement was brought forth, right?
1: Yeah, so that's right. I mean, we we, so we've had a ongoing trade dispute with China for the last uh, almost three years now, and uh, it has really slowed uh, the LNG supply or or exports from the United States to China uh, quite considerably. And uh, what we really saw happen was uh, a trade dispute that was started over things that had nothing to do with with natural gas or the trade of natural gas between the United States and China. Uh, and, and as the various levers were pulled between the two governments and two countries uh, to try to uh, really bring China to the table uh, in a good faith negotiation effort, what we ultimately saw was an escalation of, of tariffs being levied against various U.S. and Chinese products. And uh, natural gas was one of the very last tariffs that the Chinese uh, levied against the United States. And what it really basically did was uh, um, essentially close down trade of LNG between the U.S. and China. We started to see a little bit of uh, an uptick in, in exports uh, go back to China as it relates to LNG, but really rather slow. And, and I don't think that the Chinese are going to come anywhere close to hitting uh, the, the phase one trade agreement that was struck between the U.S. and China. Like you mentioned, uh, almost eleven months ago now, uh, I, I, I know I'm, I'm hard pressed to sort of see how they're going to meet uh, what what they set forth in that phase one trade uh, phase one portion of the uh, trade agreement.
0: Out of, out of curiosity, how far off are they from what they had agreed to? Do you know?
1: Well, they agreed to buy two hundred million dollars uh, worth of products uh, from the United States. Uh, I, I don't think they're anywhere near that number at this point. Um, the, the number really um, uh, will will depend upon sort of where we where we see uh, cargos going. But but to give you a sense, I think we've sent something uh, in 2017. Uh, we sent something like 50 plus cargos to China. In uh, 2019, I think we sent eight, and so far this year, I think we've sent six. So, uh, really, a, a rather significant impact on the on the trade agreement, or as a result of the trade agreement.
0: Well, I can I can only imagine. Have have things been picking up elsewhere around the globe since then, or has this really kind of damaged a lot of what has been uh, what normally would have been exported? I suppose.
1: Yeah, great question, and and the answer is it has what has happened right is is the lng that is already being produced in the united states like i mentioned there are six facilities in the lower 48 that are producing lng mostly in the gulf coast region uh but those facilities have been sending their lng to other areas around the world uh, a lot of that gas that was probably or would have been bound for china uh has been headed to europe uh so so we have seen um as, as we're recovering from the pandemic and we start to see some of these other countries who are maybe a bit further along in their recovery from the pandemic uh, versus the United States, we're starting to see demand tick back up. And, and we've actually been hitting, as far as feed gas goes into these facilities, some of the highest numbers, actually the highest numbers that we've uh, seen since we started exporting gas in 2016. So, um You know, we're seeing other markets absorb the LNG that that would have probably been bound for China had it not been for the trade dispute. So so we are we are okay where we're feeling the impact as an industry uh, as it relates to China. Are, are these projects that have been fully sanctioned by the U.S. government, right? So they have all the necessary permits, they have all their design plans in place. And it's important to sort of understand and put that into context because when we talk about an LNG facility, they're roughly 10 to $20 billion in construction costs, right? So there's a, there's a facility in Maryland uh, that is operated. It's called the Cove Point LNG facility. It is the single largest private sector construction uh, uh, job in the in the state in the history of the state of Maryland. So so when you think about these pro- projects, they're an order of magnitude in the in the multi billion dollars, and they take about four or five years to build. And so when you have a project that's fully permitted and ready to go, and you have a market like China where their demand is growing, and we're not seeing uh, purchase agreements uh, uh, met or, or or agreed upon. It really slows the construction or the, the possibility uh, to build out more of these LNG facilities. And so you really can't build a $15 billion facility uh, with the field of dreams mentality that if you build it, they will come, right? You need you need that, that facility to be underpinned by customer contract agreements. Uh, so you could take that to a financial institution and say, look, I've got – for the next 20 years, a customer lined up who who is going to to ultimately pay this $20 billion construction cost back. And so uh, we've got a number of projects that are basically shovel ready and and ready to to, to get started, Uh, but they're they're looking for the, the customers, right? And we saw the pandemic really sort of slow that process down as well. So between China and the pandemic, 2020 is almost a bit of a lost year for the LNG industry as as we're thinking about the new commercial build out of, of facilities.
0: Mm, that's unfortunate. I guess I guess since you had brought it up, how did the COVID pandemic change the way things were being done in regards to, uh, you know, the, the LNG process?
1: yeah so really we we didn't see from a from an operational standpoint, right? We didn't really see any fundamental changes. Uh, what we saw though, was a slowdown in the demand for natural gas globally, right whether whether it be because we just saw factories shuttered or slowed where production was limited, people staying at home so so really the the idea was, not necessarily in, in regards to uh, the facilities that were up and running, right? They were able to produce LNG as, as needed, but uh, the as needed portion of it is, is really the, the, the part of it that was impacted significantly. We just, in, in you look to Asia, South Korea, some of these markets where, where there's large amounts of manufacturing uh, of technology or, or, or a heavy reliance on natural gas for their manufacturing, that just basically slowed to almost a halt. And as a result, right, what happened was demand for LNG plummeted and we saw this big dip, just like basically every other commodity that happened when we saw sort of the worldwide lockdown that happened. We're starting to see a slow recovery here. Uh, and and really, I, I expect that, that as we round into the beginning of next year, towards the end of the first quarter, uh, we'll continue to see sort of these consistent uh, we high numbers and, and the demand sort of back to where it was pre-pandemic levels.
0: And, and that's interesting to know because I had a scene on one of the links that was sent to me. It was talking about how the projection for throughout this winter was looking like the demand was going to go up, but the production was going to actually decrease. Do you think that that's still on par? Mm-hmm.
1: I do. I think that we'll continue to see uh that kind of uh that kind of growth right And when we think about that uh, really it, it, it sort of takes a step away from the lng production side of this and more towards uh where we're at from in the u.s as far as natural gas production right and, and we have uh record amounts of gas on hand and in storage and the drawdown of the gas against that that natural gas storage uh, will be an interesting one to sort of follow a lot of that here in the U.S. Depends upon weather patterns and, and really what happens, uh, how high are people turning the heat up, and what does that demand look like. Uh, you know, as I look out my window right now, it's snowing, which is usually a good sign for natural gas demand in the winter. So uh, it's one of those things that, that we will continue to see uh, and, and pay close attention to as as demand for LNG globally recovers. Uh, how how far will that dip into U.S. gas storage?
0: Now that makes sense. Well, I suppose now you've got a whole uh, new set of potential uh, worries to think about with the uh, potential incoming new presidential administration. How do you think things have been affected so far? I mean... Uh, e- even before the inauguration on January 20th, much of the media has already decided, and uh, the Electoral College, of course, had voted placing Biden as president-elect. How do you think this is going to affect the export of LNG? Yeah, I, I think it's a,
1: it's a bit too early to tell, but I would, I would sort of uh, hazard a, a couple of, of guesses here that I would offer. One is, um, you know, under... So, so I think from an LNG perspective, an important nuance to understand is all the facilities that are currently in operation uh, were approved under the Obama administration. And I would expect that uh, knowing sort of having been around during the Obama administration and working in the LNG space and, and seeing what's happened over the last four years with the Trump administration, I, I would expect, you know, vice president Biden when he was in the Obama administration was really out uh, in front of a lot of, uh, uh, foreign relations and, and involved in a lot of those conversations uh, where natural gas was a part or a topic of conversation. And, and he was quite a proponent of, of LNG exports and natural gas. I think that we will see more of that. I don't know if it will be as uh, sort of, I, I don't expect it, I guess what I would say is I don't expect it to be as aggressive uh, as it was in the Trump can, or the Trump administration, where we saw sort of this full-throated endorsement of natural gas and the use of LNG, uh, but I would expect that we will be able to continue to operate with the same level of, of confidence that we were under the Obama administration, and as we transition into a, a Biden administration, uh, interestingly enough, right? We were. We were sort of humming along uh, as, as an industry when President Trump came in, uh, and then he started a trade dispute with our largest trading partner. So it hasn't been exactly a perfect scenario for the LNG industry. Um, I think that, you know, interestingly enough, maybe maybe uh, counterintuitive to what you might hear from fossil fuel industry executive is I, I, I do think that if the United States re-enters the Paris Climate Agreement, it's actually for the benefit of U.S. LNG exporters. Uh, you know, when we start to look at this, there are opportunities there from an optics standpoint that that help uh, U.S. LNG exporters when it looks like we're participating uh, in, in things like the Paris Climate Agreement, when we start to see regulations that look like we're addressing methane, some of the challenges that we hear internationally about U.S. gas production. So I actually think that there, there are some opportunities that exist with the incoming Biden administration. A lot of that remains to be seen, right? We're just starting to see some of the cabinet nominations come through. Uh, so so I think it's, it's a bit too premature to start hazarding a whole bunch of, of uh, thoughts on uh, uh, how we expect this to go. But I, I think that, that we'll be able to manage and work with an Obama, or with a Biden administration uh, as we did with an Obama and a Trump administration. So I think that there's there's opportunities.
0: Nice. Do, do you think that some of your confidence in that area might stem from all the projects that uh, you've got going on in order to reduce the carbon emissions and uh, like the methane trapping? But I was really intrigued reading about the different ways and how much carbon has been brought down. Uh, the carbon emissions have been brought down. Yeah, you're right.
1: You're you're absolutely right, Jenny. I mean, I think, Jenica, I think there's a, there's there's all kinds of opportunities that exist uh, with technology that that we're seeing uh, Center for LNG members deploy some of the efforts and initiatives that they started to address both methane and carbon. And, and really what we've seen here in the US with the adoption of natural gas, switching from coal to natural gas for electric generation, those kinds of things is really going to provide, a, a, a uh, it's providing a blueprint for others around the world to look at. And what we've seen actually, the interesting thing, um, there was a lot of debate about this during the, the presidential election and during the debates uh, around sort of bans on fossil fuels and, and all of these kinds of things. But what we've seen happening with the adoption of natural gas uh, for power generation, what what we're seeing is it's spurring this sort of partnership or or developing this partnership with renewables. And what we're we're, we're finding is in, in areas or regions where we're deploying natural gas, as part of the solution right not the entirety of the solution but part of the solution for power generation it de-risks some of the developing technology related to renewables so not only is natural gas a cleaner burning fuel uh from the alternative that we're switching from which in most cases is, is coal right we're switching away from a lot of that that sort of dirtier fuel source which is immediately uh, addressing some of the the CO2 emissions, uh, right? We're at the lowest level, but our demand is the highest it's ever been. Uh, But we're seeing renewables as well start to emerge as a partner with natural gas. And I think that that's sort of the exciting component of where we're headed to next is this sort of long-term partnership that I expect renewables and natural gas to enjoy uh, as a result of, of this technology that's emerging on the renewable front and the reliability of natural gas. So I think that those two together are, are, are going to be a great example that, I'll, that I will use and that I would expect the Biden administration will probably use as well on international trips um, when we're all talking to foreign governments, uh, when we're all talking about the benefits of natural gas and what that allows some of these more ambitious countries to try to do as they're looking towards a renewable future uh, right now, in addressing some of the CO2 emissions and, and, and mitigating that and moving off of some of the dirtier fuels.
0: Well, and I noticed that in a lot of the reports when it comes to carbon and methane emissions uh, in regards to oil oil and natural gas, a lot of the, the dirtiness, I suppose, would be coming from other countries, it seems. Um, and I'm not sure that that's always mentioned or highlighted. So it kind of got me wondering, since we're moving so forward um, so well, is our technology, is it going to be affordable enough for other countries to emulate? Or do you think that's going to take more innovation uh, down the road?
1: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I, so I think that the short answer is yes. The technologies that we're deploying are definitely affordable. I think that when you look at some of the emerging countries where demand for gas is growing, India is a great example, right? It's it's an emerging market and country that is really trying to lift people out of energy poverty, um, where you know they're using dung. Uh, they're using, you know, all kinds of sort of alternative fuel sources that are much dirtier, much more harmful for their health, the air, uh, and, and either to cook with or for, for electric generation in their homes, right? And maybe not even had electricity, right? They're burning dung for, for lighting uh, in their homes. So when you talk about that and, and the ability to deploy natural gas, we've been doing it here for so long, and we've driven so much of the cost out of the technology Uh, When you think about carbon capture, some of the things that we're able to do here uh, that are easily uh, uh, done or or we can replicate in other countries uh, should be should be a no brainer for some of these these. uh, other countries that are really trying to emerge. And I think that, you know, you, we, we we would look at like in India as a great example of, of what they're trying to do to develop natural gas infrastructure, pipeline, all the things necessary for the long term development of that country. Uh, we're starting to see happen right now. And, and they're and they're able to do it uh, in a cost conscious
0: way. Nice. That ought to be very helpful, I'm sure. Well, okay. I wonder—is there anything else that you would like to add when it comes to maybe the recovery or um, some plans post-pandemic or into twenty twenty one? What are we What are we looking forward to? Is there anything you'd like to uh, put a highlight on?
1: Getting on an airplane again would be a good time. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not wearing, not wearing a mask. Uh, no, I I, 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 I say that in jest, but in all honesty, right? I mean, I think that. Um, we finally are starting to see some positivity uh, as it relates to this vaccine, which I think will really start to really uh, ramp up the pace in which the recovery happens. Um, you know, these markets where we're starting to see natural gas uh, demand recover uh, are all positive signs. I expect that by the end of 2021, you know, we will, we, as, it, as it relates to gas demand, right, we will see sort of things back to where they were before uh, and I think that that is something that all of our members are excited about. I think that it's something that we're working hard and making sure that we continue to really deliver the um, value proposition of natural gas and, and the importance of uh, U.S. participation in that market. Right. I think that that's sort of the other part of this that we're going to continue to really uh, uh, focus our attention on uh, and making sure that we've got you know all, all of the answers for those who are, who are looking at uh, as they emerge from from the pandemic, these countries as they emerge from the pandemic, where they're going to focus their their efforts as it relates to climate and make sure that we're ready to to help answer those those challenges as as an industry.
0: Just kind of being prepared and and leading the way, huh
1: that's it that's it
0: <laughs> well it's a it's a great goal, great vision to have in mind, and i I'm looking forward to the days of getting on a plane and not wearing a mask too. i mean it's <laughs> normalcy is. Is a beautiful idea at this point.
1: Don't realize how much you miss it until it's gone, right? So,
0: Isn't that the truth of it? Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Charlie. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk with us today, and well, talk with me today, and, and give us some of this information. There's a lot of really great stuff in here, and I, I do appreciate it. So thank of you. Of course.
1: Yeah, happy to, Jenica. Thanks so much.
0: All right, my friends, that was Charlie Riedel, the executive director for the Center for Liquefied Natural Gas. If you'd like to find out more information, take a look at the show notes for links. And if you liked what you heard, make sure to take a look at the rest of what thecrudelife.com has to offer.